It's time for Real Estate Roundup. This is the time every single week we get together with noted real estate agent Terry Story. Terry's a 29-year veteran with Keller Williams located in Boca Raton. Welcome back to the show, Terry. Thanks for having me, Steve. So U.S. home ownership is on the rise again. Good for you, right? Yay, we like that. Hey, when is the best time to buy a house? Now. When is the best time to sell a house? Now. Ah, (laughs) (laughs) such a sales job you have. But seriously speaking, home ownership is rising, but renters are still, it's getting a little bit harder, right? It is, yes. Rising rates, loosening credit standards, demographic shifts are all creating momentum for owning rather than renting, according to the U.S. Census. And, you know, we've been kind of predicting that for years now, especially as the new generation gets older and they start forming families and they call that household formation. And they want bigger places, they want their own places, and they want to have control over their money. That's right. And unfortunately, as this occurs, this is creating more challenges for today's renters because of the higher interest rates and limited inventory and the home price is rising. It's just making it a little bit harder for them to become homeowners. Yeah. So when is this going to break? When are people going to eventually sell? Do the baby boomers have to all kind of go to the greener pastures, <laughs> greener pastures <laughs> and then all those houses get sold. You know, I keep waiting for that. You do? I do. But what I see is a lot of, it's this, so you're a seller, you're an older seller and you want to move on with your life. You go and you find out, okay, my house is worth X. I want to pull out the equity and buy something else. Yeah. Well, that's great. Then you go to look to see what else you can buy and you realize, wow, There's not much inventory out there. So I'm just going to sit put and stay where I'm at. Now, the other interesting factor, depending on the state that you're in, if you've been in your home for a gazillion years, you're paying very low taxes, right? So now you go to buy a new house, which is worth a lot less than the home that you're currently owning. Mm -hmm. But because you're new buying it, you know, 20 years later, you're actually going to be paying more in taxes. And this would be out of state because you, the homestead exemption would stay with you. Well, no, it, it transfers over with yeah. you, but because you're buying a new property. Mm-hmm. It's reset. It resets. Yeah. And, you, you know, for example, you have a million dollar home, you're going to buy a $500,000 home. Your million dollar home, you're paying 8000 right, in right. taxes because you've owned it for 25 years. Yeah. Now you buy that $500,000 home and it's now 10000 so you're not saving in taxes as you hoped you would. Correct. Right? You're yeah. pulling your equity out, which is good. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. So it's a conundrum and it's what slows the market. There's just, uh, you know, a big bottleneck here. That's right. Yeah. And that's, that's the issue. Now, you could go out of state where taxes are lower and find a beautiful place. In the center of the country. Yeah. In the, <laughs> in the center of the country, right. Or, you know, west or whatever. There's lots, lots of land out still out there. But the bottom that's line right. is. It's a difficult thing, you know, as you get older, really, if you're, let's say you're, you know, you lived in uh, Boca Raton your whole life, to move to Virginia or some other place and start over, that's, that's a tough thing for many people to do. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. Here's an interesting one, I thought, that equity-rich properties are hitting what they call a tipping point, but this word equity-rich, I have not heard that term before. What is that? You know, that what it means is that you have 50% equity in your home. Okay. And actually, I mean, that's great. I'm glad to see that there's that much equity out there because remember when we were in the crisis, yeah. there was no equity. So the equity rich scenario is getting stronger throughout the country. And what does that mean? Well, 
Now we have more refis. <laughs> okay, People well, are... <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute, but let's get some numbers here. There are 14 million equity-rich properties in the United States. The highest share of them were in Hawaii at 42%, California at about 42%, New York 35%, Washington 33%, and Oregon 32%. Now that's the percentage of homes in those places that have 50% or more equity in them. That's a very healthy situation for the U.S. economy and for us as individuals. Absolutely. They just had great appreciation. That's what it really means. Well, yeah. And they've been slowly paying down their mortgages. Right. Right. I mean, if we go back to 2008, we're talking about 10 years of pay down of your mortgage. And plus, you've seen good capital appreciation. The two work together. That's right. Uh, And that's the way it's really supposed to work. And that's how, you know, a typical person succeeds in their finances if they can get these ratios to work out in their favor. That's right. And then eventually have the house paid off. That would be a good thing, too. Now, if there's another recession and the housing prices go down, yeah, you're losing some, but you've got this big cushion in there now. That's right. And that's a beautiful thing. That's, that's right. what we're looking for. So that's what interested me about this. Now, a lot of equity-rich homes in Hawaii, you know, I don't know, does that account for the lava flow? <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. All right, let's move on. We only have a couple of minutes left. Tips to avoid an appraisal that comes in too low. Yeah. Yeah, We're starting to see a lot of that. Avoid the bidding wars. So what happens, Steve, and and actually I'm working on it. I have the situation right now. Priced it fairly well. Multiple offers. People want the house. They know that the offer, if there's a mortgage, is contingent on an appraisal. So they're like, oh, what the heck? We'll offer 10000 over asking. We have nothing to lose. It has to appraise, right? Well, no, it doesn't really have to appraise. It has to appraise in order for the buyer to get a mortgage. But in order to put the deal together, there's nothing that says that the buyer can't come up with the shortage or that the seller won't agree with the buyer to a negotiated price, right? So to avoid them, you know, just know that if you want the house, remove that contingency. Now, I actually got an offer today and the person wants a house so bad, he's paying over asking and he's removing that contingency. What contingency are you talking about? That would be the appraisal portion of the contingency. When you apply for a mortgage, there's two parts. You as the buyer and the property have to both be approved in order for the bank to do the loan. Mm -hmm. So again, if you are in a bidding war, you win then it gets appraised, there is a a strong possibility that it will appraise less than, and what, the bank will give you financing, but only so much. Who's going to make up the difference? That's right. You are, or you're going to have to negotiate with the seller. Correct. So if you're in a bidding war and you want, if this situation arises, deal with it up front. Right. Very good advice, Terry Story. Terry is with us today as she's with us every single week. She's a 29-year veteran with Keller Williams, located in Boca Raton, and she can be found at terrystory.com. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for having me, Steve.